Baptist is the, uh, the forerunner. He's the herald uh, declaring, prepare the way of the Lord. One is going to come after John the Baptist. John the Baptist is pointing to the one who is going to come and deal with our deepest, deepest problem. There are many issues that we face as individuals, as a, a nation, and as a whole world. Many pressing issues. And I wonder if you tried to list them, which would be the most urgent issue. Is it climate change? Uh, is it the, the war in Ukraine? That's the one we hear much about. But there are other wars all around the world which we don't hear much about at all. Is it famine? Uh, is it... Uh, well, you could list so many things internationally. And what about your own life personally? What is the pressing issue? So many you could list. I wonder how you would order them. The Bible's very clear. And uh, nobody, I tell you, is born believing the Bible. It happened to me at the age of 19. I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God. Doing my degree in chemistry here in Cardiff, I believed in Big Bang and evolution. No room for God. But at the age of 19, there was a, a divine intervention in my life that radically changed my direction. And I'm uh, amazed at the, uh, the things that God has done uh, in my life. But the chief thing is this. He's dealt with my most urgent problem. And the world's most pressing problem and your most pressing problem as an individual is sin before a holy God. And sin means you don't know Him now. You might know about Him, but you don't know Him. And sin means you can't go home to heaven and deep in your heart, you know that heaven is there. You know that death is not the end. There is an existence to come. Where will it be? Heaven is where we were designed to be. Made to know God. Made to be with God. And there is a heaven. But to be there I need a clean life and I haven't got one. And sin would sink me to hell. And the answer is clearly in the Bible. It's the one who John the Baptist is pointing towards. God at the very beginning at the point where mankind rebelled and fell. You only explain the world because uh, of what happened in the Garden of Eden those thousands of years ago, recorded in Genesis chapter 3, there was rebellion against God. And we're all descended from Adam. And we all received that imputed sin to our account from our very conception the latest baby to be born has this problem of sin. And the only answer is the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who came into the world to deal with sin and to rescue you and me, bring us to God now and give us the assurance and the certainty of heaven to come. And oh, John the Baptist, he, he's the pointer. He's going to point away from himself and point people towards Jesus Christ. And he, he's preaching a baptism of repentance means turning away from self and sin and hell and turning towards God and righteousness and heaven. Repent for the forgiveness of sins. And that's what it's all about. That's what we preach here, forgiveness of sins. We want to help 
to keep you warm. We want to help to feed you. If you're a student, to help you to settle into life here in Cardiff. Introduce you to families. Uh, be, be as helpful as we can. But your most urgent problem is sin before a holy God. And we want to point you to the answer, as John the Baptist does here. And at one point he's going to say, Oh, have a good look. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And... Um, the people, the crowds who come to hear John the Baptist are amazed and many are being baptized and they're wondering, they're wondering, is John the Baptist the promised rescuer that God promised that he would send into the world? And John says, no, it's not me. It's not me. I, I'm just baptizing you with water. My baptism, he says, has an importance. And we need to be baptized. Have you believed? Have you been baptized yet? If not, do, uh, do obey the Lord in that. Have a chat with myself or with, with the pastor or one of the elders. Uh, have you been baptized? Here's a, a baptism that John the Baptist is offering. And uh, he's quite clear. He's quite clear. My baptism is important. But it's very external. I'm only baptizing you with water. But there is one coming. Here it is. Verse 16, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize with water. It's got its place. But it's only a picture. It's only water. It is external. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When Jesus Christ comes, says John the Baptist, all the pictures and shadows pass away, and Jesus Christ is the real deal. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist fulfilled his mission, his uh, appointed ministry, it was important, but it was limited. Here am I, 2,000 years later. I'm a, an appointed preacher of the Bible, and in particular, the good news contained in the Bible. The message of Jesus Christ is from cover to cover. And I'm here, and I'm preaching. Uh, I found in my early years as a Christian that I'd received a gift. It's uh, nothing I... I, uh, I, I, I obtained of my own accord. Every Christian receives gifts. I'd received a gift to be able to preach and to open up the Bible. And uh, that's what I'm doing here. But it's very limited what I can do. <laughs> very limited. I can baptize people. Uh, I can administer the bread and the wine in communion. Uh, I can pray. I can read the Bible. I can explain the Bible. And it hits your ears and uh, your incus, melius, and stapes vibrate, and the auditory nerve uh, starts to send signals to this grey thing inside your skull. It's called a brain. In a wonderful way, those little vibrations are decoded. So, my words can plant a picture in your mind. If I say, tree, hey, isn't that amazing? If I say, aeroplane, this is amazing. That's all I can do. If I say Jesus Christ, there's a picture coming. If I say he died on Calvary for you, there's a picture. 
I say he rose from the dead and the tomb was empty. There's a picture. But I'm not reaching your soul, necessarily. In fact, I cannot do it. Jesus Christ alone, in the power of the Holy Spirit, can take these words and reach the parts no preacher can reach. It's uniquely his work. He's the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and he will reach the parts that no preacher can reach. I love these words from uh, J.C. Ryle. Let me recommend again, Expository Thoughts on the Gospels by J.C. Ryle. You'll get them from uh, the bookshop, and I'm sure Robin has got some uh, in, in stock. But they're, they're liquid gold to me in, in, in quiet times. I started using uh, this volume again in my own quiet times. Here's what he says on this particular point. I'm looking to emphasize the limited nature of a human ministry. Man, when ordained, can administer the outward ordinances of Christianity with a prayerful hope that God will graciously bless the means which he has himself appointed. But man cannot read the hearts of those to whom he ministers. He can preach the gospel faithfully to their ears but he cannot make them receive it in their consciences. He can apply baptismal water, but he cannot cleanse their inward nature. He can give the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper into their hands, but he cannot enable them to eat Christ's body and blood by faith. Up to a certain point he can go, but he can go no further. No ordination, however solemnly confirmed, can give man power to change the hearts. Christ, the great head of the church, can alone do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is his particular office to do it, and it is an office which he has deputed to no child of man. So it's Jesus Christ alone who can forgive your sins. And it's Jesus Christ alone who can waken you up to your need. It's Jesus Christ alone who can change your life. It's Jesus Christ alone who can make you sure of these things and give you power to live a holy life. I can only use words, but we were praying, and I've been praying, and I'm sure many are praying, that God will be here in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, salvation... The forgiveness of our sins is a work of the triune God. There's one being, God. But there are three persons to the one being of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Is that three gods? Certainly not. One being, three persons. And it's God the Father who sends God the Son into the world. And Jesus Christ, God the Son, comes into the world to deal with our sin. He becomes a man, but he doesn't cease to be God. He is one person, but has two natures. He is fully human like me, and yet there's no sin. He's also fully divine. Jesus Christ, who went around doing good. To get to heaven, I need a clean life, and I haven't got one. So Jesus Christ 
lives the life I couldn't live. Now, you who are students, you've come here to sit exams. And I've got some good news for you because you can actually get a degree from Cardiff University with getting about 45% of the exam right on average. It'll give you a third-class degree. You can be more wrong than you were right, and they'll still give you a degree. So be encouraged, all right? Don't despair. They'll even give you a first class for about 68%. Isn't that wonderful? 32% rubbish, 68% good, and they'll give you a first-class degree. How good do you have to be to get to heaven? 100%. Morally perfect. Not only in actions, but in our thoughts, our words and our deeds. And we haven't got a chance. If you could live a perfect life from now on, you've got your bad record dragging behind you. Your conscience tells you about it. We can't do it, but God wants us in heaven. There'll be no bypass. It will really be a clean life that gets us there, so Jesus Christ lives that life for us as a man. That's how much he loves us. And then, my sin should sink me to hell. God is angry at sin. He doesn't fly off the handle his wrath is his settled opposition against sin. And the price will be paid. And Jesus says, that not only will I live that perfect life for them, but I'm willing to die the death that they deserve. And on Calvary, it's not just a physical death, but the horror of hell for countless millions is poured out by the Father on the Son on Calvary. And the price was paid in full every every sin, past, present, and future, of every human being. How do I know it's true? He rose again from the dead on the third day, and he's alive. He ascended back to heaven. How do I know it's true? Ah, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's the one who comes and makes these things real. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus Christ baptizes you with, comes to you on an occasion like this. Did you come in here this morning as a Christian? Were you aware that you were a sinner before a holy God? And were you aware that sin is the most urgent problem that you face? Maybe you're thinking about the gas bill, the electric bill, the student fees, the, the textbooks you have to buy, the world situation, what's happening in Ukraine, the mobilization of more troops in, in, in Russia, the threat of a nuclear uh, response, the environmental issues aren't going away. And then you have a preacher telling you, not forget that, but towering above all that, your supreme problem is sin before a holy God. Did you know that was the case? And did you know that only Jesus Christ can take away your sin? Did you, did you know that? Well, I didn't know it until the age of 19. I'd heard these things. But I was in a service in Brisbane, Australia at the age of 19 and sat somewhere in the middle of a, quite a big congregation. And as I was listening... Unbeknown to me, God the Holy Spirit was at work. And uh, He made these things real to me. And the work of the Holy Spirit, let's uh, just move quickly through three areas where He works very powerfully. Number one, we call it regeneration. It's the Holy Spirit who regenerates you, gives you 
new life, whereby you are born spiritually. On the 29th of April, 1957, I was born physically. 1957, it's now 2022. You can't believe I'm 65, can you? But I, I am. And it happened. And the signs that I was born still pertain today. I can move, I see, I smell, I taste, I talk. There's, there's physical life. But in August 1976, I was born again where God the Spirit worked deep in my soul. Let me give you an illustration. And I learned this from a previous pastor here at the Heath called Vernon Hyam. And he would say, imagine that this hand here is your soul. So here I am a body, but the real me, I'm a soul. The soul is a bit that thinks and plans, decides, likes and recoils. My body is a wonderful facility. It can take my soul in a certain direction and I can move around. That's my hand, that's my leg. I can lose my hand, lose my leg. It's still me. But I am a soul. And imagine that this hand is your soul. And your soul has a mind to think. It has affections. It has a will that makes decisions. It has a conscience. It has a memory. And when the Holy Spirit comes with new life, where does He put that life? It's not primarily in the mind or in the affections or the will or the conscience or the memory. He hits the very centre of your being. Call it the control room of the soul. The real you, the real me, the I, the id, the ego. The real me, the centre. And it's here, under the preaching of the Gospel quite often, I've been through the Gospel with you, that the Holy Spirit... Throws a switch, as it were. It was turned to death and self and hell. And the Holy Spirit comes and does a work here and throws the switch. He gives new life and turns that switch now. Changes your disposition from self and I and me and my now to God and Jesus Christ and righteousness and glory. And suddenly, when he's done that, happened to me in Brisbane, Australia, August 1976, suddenly I understood what the preacher was saying. My mind! I'm a sinner. God is holy. Jesus Christ, he's the only way. My affections, I, oh, I hate sin. I, I love God. My will, I have decided to follow Jesus. I, I'm turning direction, but I'm only deciding because of what He has done. My conscience is ablaze with my sin. My memory reminds me of all the failures I've done. And my will now turns from self to Jesus Christ. I repent and I trust in Him. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. Regeneration. And in a very real sense, I have nothing to do with it. It's His sovereign. And He can come to you this morning. Even if you're resisting him and thinking, this is nonsense, suddenly he can plant that picture in the depths of your heart. Like I can say tree or aeroplane. He can say you're a sinner. And you feel it. He can say Jesus is the Son of God who lived and died and rose for you. And you know it. I can't do that. He can did it for me, he'll do it for you. It's called regeneration. Has it happened to you? How will you know? 
Well, now something else happens now, another work of the Holy Spirit. It's called sanctification, these big words. Regeneration, being born again. Sanctification, being cleaned up. There's a, an old song that's sung, things are different now, something's happened to me since I gave my life to Jesus. Things are different now, something's happened to me since I gave my life to Him. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something's happened to me since I gave my life to Him. This, re this regeneration leads to sanctification. There's power now to live a new life. A change of direction. I read the Bible. I want to do what the Lord would have me to do. And uh, He works in my life. It's a work of the Holy Spirit now, which I have much to do with. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, work out, says the Lord. Now that you've been saved, use your brain and your affections and your will. Work it out. Work out your salvation. Live it out. See the Ten Commandments. See the Beatitudes. See the injunctions of the Bible. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm finding it hard, Lord. I want to do it. Yes, I know you want to do it because I've given you a new life. I'm still finding it hard, Lord. I'm here to help you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you. God by the Holy Spirit to will and to do His good pleasure. And we see a change in our lives and all our faculties are now fully engaged and fully involved. It is most wonderful to see God at work in our lives. It's 46 years and two months since the Lord saved me and rescued me from atheism, not only then to theism, but to trust in Jesus Christ. See, he's the, I'm not into religion. The night I was converted, well, before that, I'd been arguing with, uh, with some believers in this particular church in Brisbane, Australia. And I said, oh, I, I, I'm not interested in religion. And they said, we're not offering religion. See, religion is what you do. There are many religions in the world. And the basic ethic of every religion is, try your best. There must be a God. God must be holy. I have a conscience. Try your best. And who knows? Maybe you'll get to heaven. Christianity is quite different. It's God reaching down to us. And in Jesus Christ, he does it all for us. What do you do? In a sense, nothing. It's all been done. You receive the gift of eternal life. And 46 years ago, that happened to me. How do I know it's all true? Well, I believe the Bible. Oh, the best book to... We won't sing it again, but the best book to read is the... Is the we'll sing it over lunch. Or if you're coming to the lunch, we'll, we'll have another sing uh, in there. It's, it's written in the Bible, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have, guaranteed. Oh, there are guilts and things guaranteeing bank savings and government bonuses, but they can fail, you know. But here's a cast iron guarantee that will never fail. If you believe on Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. Peace with God, certainty of heaven to come. I believe the Bible. 
I believe the Bible. But another level of my assurance is this. 46 years, three months, still going. If it were me, I could never have kept it up. If it were religion, it would have, it would have failed. But it's reality. It's actually knowing God. It's a relationship with Him. And He has changed my life. And I look back and see the power of God. It's not me. It is me. I have to be involved. I have to cooperate. But it's His divine power who's given me everything I need for a godly life. And to Him be all the glory. Now, they're the two of the points of the works of God the Holy Spirit. And the main one I wanted to reach, I haven't reached. This is just the introduction on my little page of notes here, and it's quarter to twelve. So good news, in a sense, we'll leave it there. I think there's enough for this morning. There's enough for this morning. Enough for you to be saved. If you haven't been saved, why, why ever not? takes that work of the Holy Spirit. Has he convinced you these things are, are true? What I want to come on to is another work of the Holy Spirit. It's a, a, a divine unction where he gives you a powerful witness that you are his. But we'll leave that to uh, another occasion. And the hymns I've chosen really are, are towards that particular point, but they're great hymns. Anyway, anybody want to be saved here this morning? Now, don't look to me. He can save you. He is willing. Calvary. On Calvary. I did a wedding yesterday in my old church, St. Melons. A couple stood at the front. Both, and the registrar was there, and I checked with the registrar, it's quite true. Both had to say, I will, or there wasn't a marriage. On Calvary 2,000 years ago, my friend, Jesus Christ said, I, I will have him. I will have her. But it takes a response from you. He said it 2,000 years ago. He's been waiting patiently. How about this morning? Would you say, I will? To him, the Lord Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. If you want to talk through these things, chat with me at, at the end in, in the door or stay for lunch. Don't go home without the Saviour Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence with us, helping us through these Wonderful thoughts and, and words and truths. We acknowledge again, Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're the only one who can apply these to the depths of a needy soul. Oh, have mercy, we pray. And may some be born again to the glory of your name today, here and throughout this land, throughout the world. Amen. <clears throat> well, our closing hymn is another one by William Williams, and uh, again, a, a lovely Welsh tune to it. I, I don't know what math he's going to choose. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, dear Jesus, come, my soul doth groan, for naught but for thyself alone thou art the pearl of price. For thee I part with all below, 
and every hardship undergo beneath the vaulted skies. Let's stand and sing.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.